Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Now, it is no surprise to hear that Vancouver is still one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in. Well, this week, both the city and the federal government unveiled plans on how to address the problem. But as Paul Johnson reports, those struggling to find affordable housing say that these plans still fall far short of what's needed. Few neighborhoods in Canada have a worse housing crisis than Vancouver's downtown east side. And few have less faith that Ottawa's new housing strategy is going to help them. The national housing strategy isn't going to do that. Developers have got to go! The national housing strategy is a new, innovative plan. The Liberal government's plan to spend $11 billion to try and cut homelessness by half over the next decade is seen as too little and far too late by those in Vancouver's toughest neighborhood. It's totally inadequate. It's a, it's a gentrification strategy. What demonstrators want is immediate, massive construction of non-market public housing to provide shelter regardless of ability to pay, as the costs would be picked up by someone else. People who are rich need to pay taxes so other people can live. On that note, much of the theme here today was admittedly geared to inspire class conflict. After this young activist gave a passionate speech, we asked, could the lifestyles of some of the downtown east side's homeless also be part of the problem there? No, it's not. That's an well, awful question to ask here? because I think it's the lifestyles of the rich that are making uh, are the, you know, the lives of the homeless, the lives of the working poor, morning. terrible. Ottawa's plan comes on top of provincial and city plans to tackle the housing crisis. Proof that voices like these are being heard. Today's demonstration shows the dilemma now is about who pays and how. Paul Johnson, Global News. A pedestrian is in hospital with serious head injuries as a result of a two-car crash in Langley late this morning. Police say that this was another case of a vehicle trying to make a turn on a yellow light. Howard Ted Field has more from the intersection of 200th and 66th. The crash occurred at 200th Street and 66th Avenue. As you can see, RCMP have many evidence markers all over the road. There's a Jeep on its roof. Uh, near them. It also appears a pedestrian was struck in the area of that sidewalk. As you look across the street, you can see a Toyota that ended up in a railing near the Home Depot. Now, a uh, very serious incident. Uh, they actually, the RCMP uh, evidence team had a drone up taking a video of the scene. 200th closed for a long time. Very busy road on a Saturday. Well, 200 Street between 64th and 66th was closed for close to five hours while police investigated. That caused massive traffic backups. The RCMP saying that there were no other serious injuries apart from the pedestrian that was hit. A man and woman who led police on a wild chase through West Vancouver earlier this year are going to jail. 31-year-old Jeffrey Luber and 28-year-old Rebecca McDonald were arrested near Whitecliffe Park last January. This is after a crime spree that involved several stolen vehicles and at least three municipalities. The pair has been convicted of robbery, car theft and obstructing a peace officer along with other charges. Luber, who's been in custody since his arrest, is sentenced to five months in jail, on top of time already served. McDonald has been sentenced to a year in jail. A serious message for drivers in the Okanagan today to get off their phones and slow down. The rally was held by flaggers and roadside workers after a flagger was mowed down by a careless driver. Kelly Hayes reports. 
flaggers by the dozens lined the side of Highway 97 in Vernon today to send motorists a message. They want respect. I just wanted to see more respect for this industry. We are human. We are people too. We're not there to ruin your day. What sparked the rally was this recent incident in Lavington, where a flagger suffered serious head injuries after being struck by a vehicle. Of course, there have been other incidents involving careless motorists, including this one in the lower mainland, caught on tape, where the driver simply refuses to stop. Oh! Oh my God! The flagger lived, but others haven't been so lucky. According to WorkSafe BC, more than a dozen roadside workers have been killed on the job, most of them flaggers, and nearly 230 have been injured. The driver didn't stop whatsoever. Sean Foucault has been a flagger for more than 20 years. He recalls being hit by a vehicle while working in Enderby. There was nowhere to run, so I tried jumping over the truck and um, hit me and sent me across the intersection and I did a couple of cartwheels in the air and landed and broke some ribs and got whiplash. And, and it ended up being a, a drunk driver with no driver's license, no insurance, no nothing. And, just, and then he took off. Today's rally is being called a success and there are plans for more down the road to serve as a reminder that flaggers are people too. With the support that we've gotten today, I've had a lot of uh, traffic control people say that this, is, this should not just be a single event, that we should be doing this twice a year to get awareness out there, to keep us safe. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Vernon. Been long delays along Highway 1 tonight as the eastbound lanes between Bridal Falls and Hope remain closed. This is after a mudslide earlier this week. Traffic has been moving slowly at Bridal Falls. This is where the westbound lanes are open to one lane each in both directions. The eastbound lanes still being cleared after two mudslides came down early on Thursday. Crews hoping that they will be reopened by Sunday. Uh, the delays having an impact not just on traffic but on local businesses too. Rancher's restaurant at the Bridal Falls gas station was empty for over a day as a result of the highway being shut down to all traffic. Every year, I see three times and four times a year happening like this between the Bridal Falls and Hope. This time of the year, let's say, you know, 20 grand but disappearing. Well, that's going to be a huge impact to us. Now, we've seen the tragic impact the drug crisis has had on British Columbians. Now, more and more cases of pets being put at risk. The most recent, a dog that ingested what turned out to be angel dust, is happening on Kitts Beach. Jill Bennett reports. It's common for dogs to scavenge, sniff and eat things off the ground. But on Wednesday evening, a dog was in the Kitts Beach area and ingested PCP or angel dust. Couldn't really wake her up. When I managed to uh, push her out of the couch, uh, she just couldn't stand up uh, or walk or anything. So, uh, so we kind of rushed into the ER, which uh, which did the blood sample and some analysis of uh, liver and kidney to see if there's some uh, any damage. Loretta's owner took her to the Burrard Animal Hospital, where a test confirmed the drug was in her system. She was treated, then given an IV and recovered. My reaction is like, I'm a little bit freaked out. It's a painful experience for the dog and the clients. A painful experience, and sadly one that happens more often than people might think. In a week, I would say four to five cases, like minimum. Uh, we, every week we see uh, either it could be TSC or some other toxins. After hearing about the latest case of a dog ingesting a drug, owners out walking in the area are on alert. I think we'll try and come down a little earlier if we can and make sure it's like still a bit of light out. But uh, yeah, definitely trying to 
enforce not eating everything on the ground, I guess. My dog eats everything, so I, I personally definitely, you know, keep an eye on him as far as that's concerned. Dogs can fully recover after ingesting illicit drugs, but that's not always the case. Down the beach over there this summer, a dog um, ended up in the hospital and then had to be put down because it also ate some sort of drug. We had to put one dog down. It was really high uh, on a heroin, uh, like heroin, and then it, it, it had to be euthanized. The best advice, if you notice odd behavior, such as lethargy, glassy eyes, or a loss of balance, especially after a walk, get your dog to an animal hospital immediately. There are tests to determine in seconds if drugs are present and if treatment is needed. Jill Bennett, Global News. A rescue mission for a missing boater on the north coast has now turned into a recovery operation. Two people ended up in the chilly waters of the Douglas Channel in Kitimat on Thursday night. This is after their boat capsized. A person trying to swim to shore was rescued, but the other has not been found and is now presumed drowned. Crew spent the day searching, but poor weather making that very difficult. Firefighters were called to deal with an emergency situation in front of an elementary school on the Sunshine Coast this afternoon. Crews were able to put out the flames that engulfed a car in front of Henderson School. This was at around 2 o'clock this afternoon. The driver's saying smoke started pouring out of the glove box just seconds before the flames then swept through the rest of the car. He did manage to get out safely. No word yet on what may have caused all of this. Now, each week, close to 5 million disposable cups and plastic bags end up in the garbage in Vancouver. Now, the city is stepping up its efforts to change all of that. A pop-up shop has been launched to educate people on the downside of single-use items. That includes foam food packaging and takeout containers. It costs taxpayers millions of dollars a year to collect these from public garbage bins and to clean up the litter that is left in parks and public spaces. The cups and containers alone make up about half of the garbage that you see in the litter cans and it costs the city about two and a half million dollars each year to collect that material. And so what we're trying to do is become a zero waste community by 2040. So we can't just recycle our way out of this problem, we really need to try to reduce our use of these items. Well, the pop-up shop is going to be open at 511 West Broadway for the next two weeks. They want residents, businesses and organizations to drop by and suggest ways in how this problem can be, can be fixed. Those ideas are all going to be put to council in 2018. More than 100 volunteers were at the Canada Line today collecting donations to help Metro Vancouver's most vulnerable. This is Blanket BC Society's ninth annual Drive on the Line campaign. In addition to blankets, they're also asking people to drop off cash, as well as warm socks, scarves, mittens and toques. Last year, they collected more than 5,500 blankets and 1,500 articles of clothing, all of them being donated to 138 shelters around the Lower Mainland. Organisers saying that the need is overwhelming. It's extremely important, especially those people living on the street, the street survivors, um, and that's what they are. They're not just homeless, they're street survivors. They, they know how to adapt, um, but the only way they can survive the night is really with a blanket and warm clothing. And so uh, every donation counts. It, it could be just it could be a pair of socks. A pair of socks can help save a life. Absolutely. The donation taking wrapped up at 6 o'clock tonight. Still ahead this evening, President Trump's big dispute with Time magazine. Why he says 
he doesn't want to be named person of the year. We'll explain that. And ahead of that, reaction to the mosque attack in Egypt, where over 300 worshippers have been killed. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, new details today into the deadliest terror attack in Egypt's history. More than 300 worshippers killed at a mosque on Friday. A warning you might find some of the images in this story disturbing to watch. This was a massacre of the innocents. 27 children killed, others injured and, like so many here, traumatized. Survivors described the screams as more than 300 people were killed. The chief cleric of the mosque saw a terrifying stampede. The gunmen, he said, were firing at anyone who breathed. A local teacher told NBC News the gunfire lasted 45 minutes. Authorities say up to 30 gunmen were firing through all the windows and doors. There was no way out. ISIS has yet to claim the attack, but it's the only group in Sinai capable of mobilizing 30 gunmen who raised the group's black flag before opening fire. It is the first time ISIS has attacked a mosque in Egypt and there's deep anger here at a massacre of Muslims. But the real question is, will that backlash stop ISIS gaining ground here? ISIS has lost its so-called caliphate in Iraq and Syria, but it's been gaining strength in Libya, Egypt, Yemen and Somalia. The ISIS affiliate in Egypt is the most potent affiliate outside of Syria and Iraq. They have more than 1,000 operatives, skilled, fanatical, willing to kill. After this attack, the dead were lined up as far as the eye can see and buried in a mass grave, hundreds of shoes left behind. Revenge was swift. Egyptian warplanes bombing vehicles reportedly used in the attack, but most gunmen escaped, none have been caught. So troops are on alert, even at hospitals treating the injured, where people ask why Egypt's army can't protect them. This was the darkest day of terror in Egypt's modern history. A country mourning tonight and facing the most ruthless enemy within. More than 100 people have been hurt after police in Pakistan attempted to clear protesters from a busy intersection. Police throwing tear gas at protesters who were setting fire to police vehicles in Islamabad today. They've been camping out there for 20 days, calling for the resignation of a law minister after he failed to make a reference to the profits in a parliamentary bill. The government issued a countrywide media blackout during the protests, which meant lots of journalists covering the story couldn't get the details. Tragedy in Cleveland after a group of suspects opened fire on six teenagers, killing a 12-year-old boy. Officials say a group of children aged 12 to 16 were walking on the east side of the city when suddenly gunfire broke out. A 12-year-old boy died on the scene. Five others sent to hospital. A search now underway for the suspects. No arrests have been made. A rally is being planned tonight for the victims. Hope is in sight in Washington state after the swollen Skagit River appears to be receding, but already massive damage has been done. The river reaching its highest level in 11 years. Several families were forced to flee from their homes. Skagit County officials now requesting emergency assistance from the army to prevent further damage along the river's banks. 
A lawyer representing a group of Canadians say that they have won a settlement with the federal government. It is believed to be over mistreatment of LGBTQ2 people in the military, RCMP and civil service. The lawyer saying that he will release details on Tuesday. That's the day the Prime Minister is set to make a historic apology to the LGBTQ2 community over past suffering and discrimination. Also expunging the criminal records of those who were convicted of having same-sex relations during the time that it was illegal in Canada. Today is International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women and thousands of women taking to the streets in Paris, calling on the government to do more in the fight against sexual assaults. This comes just hours after President Emmanuel Macron announced a series of measures to combat the violence. Many protests saying it is not enough and that the government needs to offer up more funding to reach those goals. France, much like the US and Canada, has seen thousands of women coming forward with stories of sexual abuse and harassment in light of the hashtag MeToo campaign. And in Rome, thousands of women standing up to injustice with a rally of their own. This year alone, more than 110 women have been murdered in the country more than 75% being killed by a partner or a family member. Victims in the country have been reluctant to come forward over the years, activists hoping that this rally is going to encourage a shift in the culture. President Donald Trump seems to be spending his American Thanksgiving weekend in a war of words with a high-profile magazine. The president also facing a potential federal agency showdown when he gets back to Washington. President Donald Trump laying low in Florida Saturday. When he returns to Washington, he faces a federal agency standoff and an escalating probe into his campaign's ties to Russia. The president named management and budget director Nick Mulvaney interim head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, while the agency's former director named his own successor before he left, leaving who's actually in charge an open question. Late today, President Trump tweeting, The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or CFPB, has been a total disaster as run by the previous administration's pick. Financial institutions have been devastated and unable to properly serve the public. We will bring it back to life. The president has appointed somebody who thinks the organization has no reason to exist, similar to what he did with the uh, Department of Environmental Protection. Trump allies are downplaying news that former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's lawyers are no longer consulting with Trump's lawyers in the Russia probe. Whether that means he's going to cooperate against other persons or just try to negotiate a better deal for himself remains to be seen. And in a less serious matter, Trump this weekend claimed he passed on being Time Magazine's Person of the Year, saying he was informed he would probably be chosen for a second straight year. The American people don't give a hoot who's on the cover of Time Magazine, and we wish very deeply that our president would concentrate on other things. Time responded on Twitter, the president is incorrect about how we choose Person of the Year. Chris Pallone, NBC News. Now, there's been a series of explosions in Mexico after a volcano erupted, sending smoke and ash four kilometers into the sky. The first began yesterday afternoon, southeast of Mexico City. Shortly later, two more explosions. The blasts covering nearby villages and fields with ash. The volcano has been active since the mid-1990s, but this is the largest eruption in more than five years. There are no reports that anybody was hurt. 
All right, and we're back with the full team. Uh, it's good to be back after a week in the UK. Yes, welcome back. It was Thank brilliant, you. I imagine. Uh, it was lovely. It was great to catch up with everyone. But I heard while I was away, it just kept raining. <laughs> so you picked did a good just, time to be away. I know, yeah. And is there more rain ahead? Yes, so uh, the rain did develop and pick up, especially for the afternoon today. It's going to get heavier times for the evening and heavy overnight leading into Sunday. So if you have any plans for Sunday morning, still seeing periods of rain. We do have a rainfall warning in effect for House Sound. We have snowfall warnings uh, for the northern half of the province. I'll show you the amounts and how long this rain will last. There is a bit of a reprieve in between systems, so I'll have the timing of that coming up share very shortly. So, right. welcome back to the rain. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it didn't rain there, but it was very, very windy. Okay. Yeah, very windy and just as cold and as you've, here. you've regained your accent. Did, uh, oh, really? It, I, I, oh. <laughs> Did I ever you lose it? You never lost it. You never lost <laughs> Well, it's... it's Awesome to have you back as well. Yes. Not well, that you good. went away. No, I didn't. It was, it was, good, it was <laughs> good to have you back too, uh, Sonia. Uh, coming up in sports, uh, Canucks have the day off on their uh, long road trip, and uh, but a lot of NHL action going on, so we'll have that. And uh, what else? You got some football, mm -hmm. a little bit of basketball. Some soccer, Some all soccer. sorts of sports. Soccer. Do you see any soccer matches out there? I didn't go and watch any live shows. Oh, no, 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 no matches, no live ones. <laughs> I don't oh, even know who football. I support anymore. <laughs> I don't know who I support. You support yeah. them all. Support. Yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. yeah, that gets people very angry. <laughs> all right, still ahead tonight as well. No pills involved. The alternative medicine. More and more doctors are now prescribing, and also Supreme sneakers. How much would you really pay for a pair of kicks? You might be surprised at what people are willing to pay. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Now, how much would you spend on a pair of shoes? A hundred, maybe $150? How about thousands of dollars? Because that is the kind of cash that was changing hands at a huge sneaker convention in Vancouver today. Crowds packing the Hype City 2 event at the Trade and Convention Centre to buy, sell and trade high-end footwear. Sneakers, of course, are hugely popular now with celebrities posting pictures of what they're wearing on social media. And for some of those in the business of selling, it can earn them millions. People just want to collect stuff that's like rare and collectible, I guess, is what drives people to spend like crazy amounts of money. I mean, there's t-shirts here for like $5,000, there's shoes that range over like over 10 grand. So, I mean, you never really know. What crazy. Now, it's an unusual treatment. More and more doctors are prescribing for a variety of ailments. No pills involved and something you can only find outside. Blueberries? What other kind of berries do we normally find on this trail? For Lauren Huddle and her family, a day like today used to feel impossible. I have pretty bad anxiety and depression, too. I just wanted to stay inside and not do much, and it wasn't working. It was getting worse and worse. Lauren's nine-year-old son was dealing with similar issues, so the Huddle's family physician wrote them a prescription. Not for pills or drugs, but for a big dose of Mother Nature. Five times a week, spend 30 minutes at this park near their home. I consider it more important than any medication I can prescribe. It's a growing field of medicine called ecotherapy. Pediatrician Dr. Robert Zarr started Park Rx America, a national initiative which now includes more than 50 doctors in 11 states. Why not just go to a gym? What's the evidence behind going outside? Scientists have actually looked at this. And what we found out is that moving outdoors is actually better, more therapeutic value for your health than moving indoors. 
Studies show ecotherapy can help patients with depression, attention deficit disorder, and chronic diseases like diabetes and high blood pressure. And for kids who now spend more time than ever staring at screens damaging their eyes, looking around at trees and leaves can actually protect their vision. So how do you get the most effective dose of nature? Patients should focus on three key elements. Sounds of birds chirping, visuals of trees and leaves, and the sound of streams or rivers. We're starting to see nature and parks not just as a place to recreate, but literally as a place to heal yourself. Lauren Huddle got her prescription just three weeks ago. Just going out there a little bit by little bit, I noticed my temperament was better and my anxiety started to greatly decrease. When good health is a simple... Bubby's still going. Can you catch up to him? ...as a walk in the park. Dr. John Torres, NBC News, Washington. Now, people in a town north of Calgary, they're shaking their heads over a big spelling mistake. They rely on highway signs for drivers to find their community. But the mistake, well, it's causing some serious mix-ups. Highway signs are supposed to be big and eye-catching. But it's what's on this particular sign that's getting the wrong type of attention. thought it was funny that someone didn't know how to spell. No, you don't need to get your eyes checked. A typo. Crossfield is supposed to be spelt with only one eye. Residents of the town aren't so impressed. If they would have spelt it right, it would have definitely been better. It's insulting to the town. The sign went up about a week ago. You try to hope that things will just get done better. The town's councillor, Glenn Price, surprised something so simple could be so complicated. Well, I thought it was pretty funny they could even spell Crossfield. I mean, it's not hard to spell field, right? So even I know how to do that. On Twitter, one user called it an interesting way to spell Crossfield. Hashtag, you had one job. The Transportation Ministry in response says the sign is temporary due to construction. The contractor has been asked to remove it ASAP. But as soon as possible isn't soon enough. I thought it would have been fixed by now because I heard about this three or four days ago and I figured, all oh, they'd take it down and fix it right away. A fix that would come out of taxpayers' money. It's something that we pay for. It's something that should be a great representation of our town. Absolutely, it's a waste of taxpayers' money. Absolutely. And like I said, if you've made a mistake, it's simple, fix it. Alberta Transportation couldn't explain how it happened. But late Friday night, word spread on Facebook that the sign was being removed. It's unclear how much it will cost to replace. Krista Dow, Global News. Mm. Coming up, how does a dog who's been left in a car show that he's had enough? (laughs) We will show you that whole video, this story from Nanaimo, coming up after the break. All right, I want to show you this story. This is a dog waiting for his owner in a vehicle in Nanaimo. Uh, Became a little impatient, and this is how he decided to show it. (laughs) Yeah, we in the newsroom can watch this over and over again. Some might have thought this was a case of road rage, but this video posted on social media showing the dog leaning on the horn of its owner's vehicle parked at the mall. We don't think the dog was distressed at all, just quite annoyed 
waiting for the owner to return. <laughs> Love that story every time I watch it. It's fantastic, everyone. I wonder if he had the keys if you drive off yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Just drive off, right? Yeah. Don't was, even wait for the owner. Teach he was honking to just get the keys and said he could get out of there. Exactly. Great video. I love it. All right. Thanks, Anya. And good evening, everyone. It's going to be soggy over the next 12 to 24 hours, especially across the south coast. We've got that rain that's pushed in this afternoon. And there are some heavier pockets uh, through the overnight and especially for our Sunday morning. Here's a shot of our tower cam overlooking BC Place and Science World this evening. We're currently sitting at 10 degrees with the rainfall out of the airport at easterly wind at 24 kilometers per hour. Uh, for today, though, temperature still got into the double digits. We topped out at 11 degrees above the average for this time of the year that sits at 8. And a record on the Almanac, 13 degrees was set all the way back in at 1954. A very happy birthday this evening to Helen Newfield from Abbotsford celebrating 100. So congratulations, and I hope you've had a wonderful day. Back to the forecast and the big weather picture that we're following. This frontal system will continue to bring rain as it drops down. We will see snow for higher elevations, and we do have snow across the northern half of the province. Inland sections right now for Terrace and Kitimat, it's rain mixed with snow, but it is changing to snow overnight, and we'll see it for the morning hours, and an additional or anywhere between 10 and up to 15 centimeters. The Bulkley Valley and the lakes, 10 and 20 centimeters for your snowfall ruining. Williston and stretching in towards the peace, we'll see anywhere between 10 and up to 15 centimeters with the snow still pushing in for Sunday morning and then tapering off late in the day. How sound the rainfall warning that is in effect is anywhere between 50 and up to 70 millimeters of rainfall. So right now, currently, we're still seeing a rainfall warning in effect for areas near How Sound. With the rain tomorrow, it's going to be very blustery and a few areas that will see the higher amounts will be inland sections across the island. So the piece, snowfall warning in effect. Temperatures tomorrow will be up to minus 7. Whitehorse will see the risk of frostbite with the wind chill at minus 32. Coastal sections will stay as rain, but it's inland. The snowfall warning, Kitimat and Terrace and Smithers all included within that. Caribou and Central Interior, showers tomorrow with six. A few breaks in the cloud on Monday and similar for Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, another mild one tomorrow with temperatures up to nine degrees. Thompson Okanagan will bump up to nine with the snow level rising as early as the morning to 1,800 meters. Whistler uh, will see uh, rain mixed with snow or wet flurries for the morning hours. Temperatures tomorrow up to 7 degrees, and then it drops off once again for Monday, Tuesday, with highs of 1 and 2. Across the island, we'll see a southeasterly wind in much of the south coast, anywhere between 30, and wind gusts of up to 60 and 70 kilometers per hour. A balmy day tomorrow for areas near Victoria with a high of 13 degrees, and we'll continue to see that wet weather and very windy for our Sunday before it tapers off late in the day. Unsettled so far Monday, Tuesday, with the chance of showers and even leading in towards our Wednesday. Sonia? That doesn't look too bad. Thanks for very much for that, Yvonne. All right, coming up, NHL action. The Canucks not on the ice tonight, but there are lots of other teams playing. Barry will have all the latest when we come back. See you in a couple of minutes. All right, lots of stuff going on mm -hmm. in sport. You've been pretty busy. I have. Have you been yeah. missing hockey because you're in England for so a week? So much. Yeah, you there's did, no hockey there. How, did I miss anything with the Canucks? Uh, I'll, tell, I'll fill okay. you in. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're going to be just fine. <laughs> Thanks, Sonia. The Canucks play game uh, number four of their six-game road trip tomorrow in New York against the Rangers. It's an early start, 11 a.m. our time, so that there's no clash with the Grey Cup, which goes later in the day. Canucks 2-1 and one so far. They'll also play Tuesday against the Islanders and Thursday in Nashville. Busy night, as always, on a Saturday. Maple Leafs and Caps from the ACC. Leafs 
second in the East with 31 points. But Alex Ovechkin loves playing in Toronto. Look at that. Solo dash. Fires it past Curtis uh, McElhinney to make it one nothing Caps. And then late on a power play, Ovechkin hammers the bouncing puck. His 17th ties him with fellow Russian Nikita Kucherov for the league lead. 2 nothing Washington after one. It was 3 nothing at one point, but the Leafs have come back. Nick Zaitsev with the shot that goes in off the defenseman and past Holtby 3-2. Late third, Caps lead. In Montreal, Carey Price returns after missing three weeks with an injury. He was horrible the first month of the season, but he was great tonight. And the Habs get an early goal for him. Jeff Petrie on the power play off the Sabre D-man and in one nothing. And then in the second, Canadians will get another one. Paul Byron in stride is stopped, but there's Alex Galchenyuk for the goal to make it 2 nothing, And Price... Is playing like the uh, 10 million per year they're going to start paying him next year. He was all over the ice right now. Still late third, working on the shutout. Three nothing Canadians is the score. All right, Islanders and Senators. Ottawa after a good start has really struggled, and uh, Islanders have played terrific as of late, and they are the better team tonight so far. Josh Bailey on the screenshot made it one nothing. Matt Barzell, number 13, nice little drop pass there from Coquitlam, a rookie, played with the Seattle Thunderbirds. That's his 23rd point, the assist there on the Eberle goal, now leads Brock Besser by a point in rookie scoring. Isles lead 2-0 late third, and Lightning and Penguins, Tampa with the best record in the NHL at 16-4-2, but it was all Pittsburgh. A bit of a break here, the broken stick, but it goes right to Sid Crosby, who will find Phil Kessel for the tap-in. 2-0 Penguins, and then on a 5-on-3 power play, Kessel is the shooter, and Crosby, nice redirect in front. 3-0 Penguins after one, and then in the second, Penguins get another. Kessel on the breakaway, snaps a bullet past Peter Budai, one of the best wristers in hockey, Phil Kessel. 4-0 Pens, they lead now 5-2 in the third. Football now, Vanier Cup between the Western Mustangs and the Laval Rouge A. Or, the red and gold. Second quarter, 8-0 Western. Cedric Joseph bursts through for another touchdown here. 15-0 Mustangs. Mustangs put up 81 points in their semifinal last week. Third quarter, Joseph one more time. 23-7 is the score. And then quarterback Chris Merchant just gets rid of it in time. Caught by... Cole Majoros, who takes it in for the touchdown, and Western wins its first Vanier Cup since 1994, 39-17 over Laval. Big U.S. college game down in Seattle, the annual Apple Cup between Washington Huskies and the Washington State Cougars. Both teams 9-2, ranked in the top 20. Huskies get on the board first. Miles Gaskin with the short touchdown run, 7-0 Washington. Cougars having trouble hanging on to the ball. A couple of turnovers, one led to this Saban Ahmed run just misses the touchdown, but Washington would take it in a play later, and they are leading big, 24-0 late in the first half. Well, a great weekend for Canada in Whistler. Bobsled medal hall was impressive last night. Kaylee Humphreys did what she always does on this track, win a gold. Sixth straight time for Humphreys, including the 2010 Olympic gold. She's done it with a variety of brakemen. This time it was Melissa Lothols for Humphreys. It's her 21st career World Cup win, 46th career medal. In the men's two-man, it was a Canadian 1-2 sweep. Justin Cripps and Alexander Kopach won the silver. They had the fastest second run, but couldn't quite catch fellow Canadians Chris Spring and Neville Wright. The margin of victory 
country just two one hundredths of a second. Cripps finished fourth in today's four man again just two one hundredths off a medal. Canada also got a silver in women's skeleton from North Van's Jane Channel. So Canada doing a great job in the winter sports with the Olympics less than three months away. Still to come, Chanel gives us the skinny on the Seahawks in the red zone. And Manchester United still have designs on their premiership title. They got a big three points today. Highlights of their match when we come back. Welcome back. The Seahawks have six more games to go. They'll likely need to win at least four of them to take the NFC West and get a home playoff date. The easiest game on their sched is tomorrow in San Francisco against the 1-9 49ers. It's a must-win, as Chanel eloquently explains in the red zone. It used to be the best rivalry in football, but in recent years, it's been very one-sided as the Seahawks have absolutely dominated the Niners, winning eight straight, and they are a perfect 3-0 at Levi's Stadium. The 49ers are coming off a bye after earning their first win two weeks ago versus the Giants. Now, we could see the debut of Jimmy Garoppolo, who came over from New England three weeks ago, but rookie C.J. Beathard is getting better. Four touchdowns, five interceptions while going one and four as a starter, but he's also been sacked 16 times. Carlos Hyde had 98 yards versus the Giants and always plays well versus the Seahawks, running for over 100 yards in each of the last two games. But now he faces a Seattle run-stop side that has just given up an average of 55 yards in the last three. Defensively, San Fran is horrible in the bottom three when it comes to points allowed and stopping the run, although their best game of the season was versus Seattle, allowing just 12 points. Russell Wilson continues to do it all, number two in the NFL in passing, and he also leads the team in rushing. He faces a secondary ranked in the bottom third, and his favorite target of late has been Jimmy Graham, who has seven touchdowns in his last six, all of them coming inside the red zone. Wilson is 10-2 and versus San Fran all-time and has not turned the ball over in the last four meetings. While the ground game hasn't been great, it's averaged 120 yards over the last three, half coming from Wilson himself. Now Seattle will try to exploit a Niners defense ranked second last against the run. With Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor out, the secondary look exposed on many occasions on Monday night. Seattle has now given up 30 or more points three times this season. They allowed that same amount on five occasions over the previous two years combined. Seattle is favored by six and a half, but haven't covered versus the Niners in the last two meetings. This program is brought to you by Mr. Lube, Canada's number one quick lube, now offering same-day tire services, no appointment needed. Paul Pogba, Manchester United taking on Brighton, Saturday English Premiership action. Man U unbeaten this season at Old Trafford and they kept that streak alive thanks to a fortunate bounce. Ashley Young shot takes a deflection up and over the Brighton keeper. Ricochets off the foot of Lewis Dunk, 1-0 the final. United will take it, they're not going to complain. They moved by within five points of league leader Man City. Fourth place Spurs at home to West Brom. West Brom strike first. Salomon Rondon, strong run. Shot just trickles in. Hugo Lloris paralyzed on this one. He stayed on his line. 
Didn't move for that one, I suppose. Uh, but in the 74th, Spurs equalized. Deli Ali and Harry Kane combined. Kane's ninth in nine Premier League matches. 40th goal of 2017. Spurs salvage a point 1-1, but they drop further behind. Now 10 points back of Man City, who play tomorrow. Liverpool and Chelsea. Reds with a chance to draw even with the Blues with a win. 65th, Mohamed Salah sticking it to the club who sold him off last season. That's his 15th in 20 matches this year. 1-0 Liverpool. Stayed that way until the 85th. Now is Willian trying to cross this to the far post or is he trying to score? Doesn't matter. Went in. Goes over the top of Simon Minolet. 1-1 final. Chelsea remained third. Liverpool fifth for now. Arsenal or Burnley, though, could pass them tomorrow. NBA tonight, Raptors on the road in Atlanta. Raps emphasizing more three-point shooting this year, and they were feeling it tonight. Norman Powell, the three-ball here, 49-30 at that point. Raptors bench also chipping in with lots of threes and plenty of points tonight. Rookie OG Ananobi also hitting from downtown. 13 threes at last check for the Raps. And they really took the Hawks to the woodshed tonight. DeMar DeRozan drives dishes to Jonas Valanciunas. 110-72 right now, Toronto. Late in the fourth. There you go. Brilliant. Who was that player at the uh, beginning of your soccer update with the bright orange, yellow? Couldn't quite work out his hair. He had big stream. Pogba. Paul Pogba. Pogba. Yeah. He's doing a, this? Yeah. Is that a look that's catching on? Is uh, it? Well, I, I was going to copy it, but I just don't have the hair that he's got. You, well, you have the hair, but I don't know whether it'll work on TV. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. I'll Stay have to with take us. another look. <laughs> When you see that, you know Christmas is not that far away. <laughs> right, finally tonight, some minor hockey players in Whistler left asking, what do you mean, when one of music's <laughs> biggest stars hit the ice to practice with them this week. Better make up your mind, what do you mean? Yeah, Justin Bieber lacing up his skates to play the Squamish Eagles and the Whistler Winterhawks. Now, this was much to the surprise of the young players because none of them, including the coach, knew he was coming. And despite all the tabloid flack Bieber gets, the president of the Minor Hockey League Association saying the pop star was all class. Great surprise. Barry? Yeah. You're going to play with Bieber next. Uh, yeah, well, I guess he likes to play. There's a big deal at the All-Star game last year that I think uh, one of the players gave him a big body check. Chris Pronger kind of went viral that, you know, someone was, oh, really? was giving him hits. So I think he wanted to play with the kids who were a little smaller. <laughs> we weren't going to belt him because Pronger's like six foot five. So That's crazy. That funny. Can you imagine? That's a story they're going to remember forever now, uh, for sure. Right, with the weather, just let's just uh, do a quick recap on the so week ahead. So very wet and windy that round off our weekend tomorrow, so be prepared, especially for the morning hours. It is going to taper off to showers by the evening and settled so far for Monday, Tuesday. So be prepared. All right. Thanks so much for watching.